Hello, how are you? Codependence. I don't know what happened to my theme song. I, let me find it real quick. <laughs> One second. This isn't how I wanted to start this off, but you know what? We strive for progress, not for perfection, right? Right. of a codependent podcast i am your host jenny red pill rage eon very very proud to be bringing you my only non-political podcast something a little deeper something a little bit more meaningful something i think we can cross party lines in terms of how many of us suffer from the terrible pain of living a life with codependency. On this podcast, we are going to be talking about everything from personality disorders, narcissistic abuse prevention, narcissistic abuse healing, narcissistic abuse survival. We're going to be talking about dating uh, tips, toxic fawning. We're going to talk about fight, flight, fawn, or freeze responses things not to say to someone who is a trauma survivor we're going to talk about ptsd also the difference between ptsd and complex ptsd we're going to talk about what self-care is and what it isn't we are going to be covering so many incredible topics and hopefully discussing tools that can help us along our journey to become healthier more self-loving individuals who can truly find love in this world, truly find purpose, and truly live with lion-like courage. So shout out to Codependence Anonymous. Go visit the website, coda.org. Let's get started. Okay, so for real, let's get started now. <laughs> okay, so this one is uh, today's, uh, today's, topic is a long time coming because I believe my second episode when I started this podcast was actually called borderline men are dangerous. And, uh, I want to speak a little bit more generally about what borderline personality is. I want to give you a clearer, uh, view of that. We've got some new subscribers. We've got new people coming into the podcast. And so let's kind of I want to recap a few things and I want you all to have a clear understanding of what borderline personality is. I also want you to have a clear understanding of what uh, toxic fawning of uh, um, emotional trauma responses are, fight, flight, fawn, or freeze. And then I also want to tell you how I'm dealing with it and what you can do to get yourself to a place where you are a bit more emotionally controlled and a bit more rational and a bit less fearful and a bit less afraid of abandonment, right? These are these are healthier places we want to be in. Um, I don't think that I have it all figured out. I know I don't have it all figured out, but that's okay because I am in a much better place now than I have ever been in my life. I just turned 41 years old. I look amazing. I feel amazing. And part of that is because I'm letting go of a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that I never dealt with at 15, 16, 17, 18, never dealt with it, went, got pregnant, had a baby, went and uh, 
was did the single mom survivalist thing for 10 years you know did a lot of survival mode stuff for 10 years and it's really good to finally be in a place where i don't have to maintain friendships that are dangerous and harmful i don't have to date men that are dangerous and harmful i don't have to do things to myself that are dangerous and harmful i don't have to be in a state of survival all the time where i have to choose between a rock and a hard place i have control over myself i have control over my life i am coming out of that economic insecurity i am coming out of that uh Dis body dysmorphia i'm coming out of a lot of that shit that was there for the last 20 30 years you know some of it has been there since the beginning you know since the beginning you know since i was much younger than that so um share screen the reason we're doing a video for this one is because i want to share my screen with you i want to show you let's see how do i do this I want to show you, I want to give you visuals and I want you to understand that I'm not making this shit up. Okay. So, um, the first one is just a general sort search search for borderline personality. Um, borderline personality is a mental illness that severely impacts a person's ability to regulate their emotions. This loss of emotional control can increase impulsivity affect how a person feels about themselves and negatively impact their relationships with others. Ooh, oh, it hurts. Oh, it hurts to talk about it, right? It hurts to recognize that I have this. Um, let's look down here. We have some other things here. Borderline personality, a mental disorder characterized by unstable moods, behavior, and relationships. The cause of borderline personality isn't well understood. Diagnosis has been made based on symptoms. Symptoms include emotional instability, feelings of worthlessness, insecurity, impulsivity, impaired and impaired social relationships. Treatments include talk therapy or in some cases medication. Hospitalization helps if symptoms are severe. So, I mean, some of the worst symptoms can be obviously suicidal ideation. Uh, let's see what it says. Um, symptoms include emotional instability, feelings of worthiness, blah, 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 behavioral, antisocial behavioral, compulsive behavior, hostility, impulsivity, irritability, risk-taking behaviors, AKA drug use, promiscuity, uh, self-destructive behaviors. Okay. Suicidal ideation, driving too fast, driving without a seatbelt, doing drugs, um, um, hoping to die at the hands of, of a cop, hoping to die at the hands of a partner, getting into physically abusive uh, partnerships, self-harm, self-isolation, or lack of restraint. The mood is anger, anxiety, general discontent, and guilt, loneliness, mood swings, and sadness. Psychologically, um, depression, which I never really had, uh, thank God. Never had chronic depression, thank God. I'm too damn happy for that. Um, distorted self-image, grandiosity, grandiosity or narcissism. I don't know if I'd agree with that, but let's keep going. Treatments. Treatment consists of talk therapy. Treatments include talk therapy or in some case medications. 
uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, okay, CBT. Generally speaking, when you start therapy, this is going to be the first type of therapy that you use. This is the type of therapy that is covered by insurance. This is the type of therapy that most um, hospitals offer, okay? Anger management, dialectical behavior therapy, DBT. That is also very common, also used in most hospital settings, also covered by uh, insurance. Transference-focused psychotherapy. Psychotherapy and, sh what does that say? Schema, where, where is that? Schema therapy. Psychological treatment that helps people change negative lifelong behavioral pattern, patterns, schemas, often used when other therapies have not worked. Another one that I would like to add to this is, uh, another one that I want to add to this is um, uh, EMDR therapy, okay? So that involves tapping it involves uh, retraining the neurons in your brains to cross, okay? It's called cross body. This is something I used to do with kids when I worked with uh, special needs children, cross body therapy, okay? Tapping, squeezing. I'm a little bit more intense, so I, I, I do pinching because I need a little bit more physical stimulation for it to work for me. That's also because I've always been a very uh, physical person, very not, you can't tell right now, but used to be very athletic. So I need a little bit more stimulation on top of the fact I used to be a masochist and I was into BDSM and I loved pain and, you know, I, I still got to give myself just a little bit of that. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, let's go back. I want to go back one to talk about what uh let's see i think there was nine there were nine things here we go okay what are the signs and symptoms of borderline personality signs and symptoms of borderline personality usually appear in your late teenage years or early adulthood a troubling event or stressful experience can trigger symptoms or make them worse over time, symptoms usually decrease and may go away completely. Well, not for me, they didn't, damn it. Symptoms can range from manageable to very severe and in can include any combination of the following. Fear of abandonment. It's common for people with BPD to feel uncomfortable being alone. When people with BPD feel that they're being abandoned or neglected, they feel intense fear or anger. They might track their loved one's whereabouts or stop them from leaving or they might push people away before getting too close to avoid rejection, okay? This right here is a bit where, is a bit into where um, the uh, people-pleasing can come into play. The fear of abandonment and people-pleasing generally go hand in hand. We will do anything, anything to keep people in our lives, no matter how abusive, manipulative, or unhealthy they might be for us or you know even if it's just uh, not a great connection um, but you want to keep someone around because they're consistent or because they uh, are just as dependent on you as you are on them they might be counter dependent okay what else do we have we have unstable and intense relationships people with BPD find it challenging to keep healthy personal relationships 
because they tend to change their view of others abruptly and dramatically. They can go from idealizing others to devaluing them very quickly and vice versa. Their friendships, marriages, and relationships with family members are often chaotic and unstable. Ooh, that hurts. Um, I can definitely admit for the majority of my life, um, I've been a thrill seeker. I've been a chemistry chaser. I am attracted to artistic people, creative people, or bad boys and bad girls, you know, even in terms of female friendships, I'm, I'm a little bit gangsta with it. You know, I come from a state where there's a lot of violence and you do have to be a bit, you have to be ready to fight at all times. Um, you have to know your surroundings. There's a bit of paranoia and hypervigilance that comes with hanging out with me because I am always looking, I'm always scanning. Um, but in terms of my relationships, I do find exciting, thrilling people to be the most attractive. I do find intellectual and philosophical people to be the most attractive. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I have learned through experience that, you know, that hot veteran guy might be really fun and exciting for the first couple of weeks, but once I find out that they have, that they have addictions, I have to walk away from those things. Um, that, you know, super hot, bad, bad, baddie, you know, that you meet who's like really pretty and really happening and has a magnetic personality. Those types of females can, can be really exciting friends to be friends with, but you know, they're oftentimes drug addicts or promiscuous and I can't have that in my life anymore. I can't be around that. Um, I generally do change my view of people abruptly and dramatically. And that is because I have also learned that uh, how people do one thing is how they do everything. So when you start to, when I start to see um, inconsiderate or disrespectful or self-destructive behavior in others, it makes me want to pull the plug and get out. Okay. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but um, in this context, um, it lends to why my friendships and relationships are, you know, so unstable. I have learned to stop idealizing others and devaluing them totally. And we're going to get to that later because I have a graphic that I want to show you for that. Moving on. Unstable self-image or sense of self. People with BPD often have a distorted or unclear self-image and can often feel guilty or ashamed and see themselves as bad. They may also abruptly and dramatically change their self-image, shown by suddenly changing their goals, opinions, careers, or friends. They also tend to sabotage their own progress. For instance, they may fail a test on purpose, ruin relationships, or get fired from a job. Guilty, guilty, guilty. I've done all of these things. Um, part of the self-image um, with borderline personalities Body dysmorphia can come from that. I have, or I've had body dysmorphia for most of my life. It's not so bad anymore. Um, I have a whole episode on that. Go back and listen to it. It's called, uh, something body dysmorphia. Um, another thing that comes with this feeling bad. Okay. This is where it's, this is not an exclusively female issue. There's a lot of men. Um, if you have been adopted you might have an innate feeling of feeling unworthy. If your 
parents died at a young age. You might have an innate feeling of feeling bad or unworthy. If your parents were addicts or even just workaholics, they were never home. They were never emotionally available. Yeah, they fed you and kept a roof over your head, but they never played with you. They never read to you. They never nurtured your personality and nurtured your goals. You might have those same feelings, okay? So this isn't a female-only uh, disease, right? Um, people, uh, you have to be very wary of people who are constantly changing their goals or changing their appearance, okay? Now, as ladies, I know it's fun to put on different dresses, different makeup, um, to, to, to experiment with different clothing, to express yourself. That's fine. But, you know, if you are, if you dress business casual one day and then your hair is dyed purple the next and you've got a nose ring, that might be a cry for help. Okay. You might need to self-reflect and think about that. Or if you have friends like that, you might need to think about, you know, do they have an unstable sense of self? Do they have a negative sense of self? Are they changing their appearance to look better and to feel better? Or are they changing their appearance for uh, attention? You know, sometimes that's what it is as well. Rapid mood changes. People with BPD may experience sudden changes in how they feel about others, themselves, and the world around them. Irrational emotions, including uncontrollable anger, fear, anxiety, hatred, sadness, and love, change frequently and suddenly. These swings usually only last a few hours and rarely more than a few days. Impulsive and dangerous behavior, episodes of reckless driving, fighting, gambling, substance abuse, binge eating, and or unsafe sexual activity are common amongst people with BPD. Now, I will admit it is a miracle that I have a clean bill of health. I've had a lot of unprotected sex in my life, okay? I've done a lot of drinking in my life. Um, smoking marijuana has, has put rose colored glasses on my face because I didn't want to deal with the feelings and the challenges of, of daily adulting and daily reality that in its of itself, marijuana itself is not a dangerous substance, but needing to wear those rose colored glasses that comes from marijuana does put you in a dangerous place. It makes you have uh, an inflated view of others. It makes you bypass red flags that you see in others, and then you get put into a dangerous situation. Repeated self-harm or suicidal behavior. People with BPD may cut, burn, or injure themselves or threaten to do so. They may also have suicidal thoughts. These self-destructive acts are usually triggered by rejection, possible abandonment, or disappointment in a caregiver or lover. Now, I have also admitted on the podcast before that I was in the BDSM lifestyle. I, I, I didn't necessarily want to have sex with all, you know, partners, but I wanted to be whipped. I wanted to be spanked. I wanted to be beaten. And I did talk to my therapist about it. And um, the reason... I realized this years ago, but there's a certain state of grace and it's, it's kind of a way when you're being spanked or, or flogged, it's kind of a way to release a lot of that internalized pain that you're not dealing with in 12 step or a therapy program. 
So it's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't think being a masochist is necessarily a bad thing. Um, I haven't been spanked in years. I, there's a part of me that would love to feel it again, but it's such a short-term band-aid. You know, it, it's like getting high. It's a short-term band-aid to release some emotions or to escape from emotions or to numb out from emotions. So we want to make sure that that doesn't become a frequent habit and that if you do engage in the BDSM lifestyle, that you only do it with people who absolutely love you and care for you and whom you trust in return. Persistent feelings of lone, of emptiness. Many people with BPD feel sad, bored, unfulfilled, or empty. Feelings of worthiness and self-loathing are common too. Well, I could say that's probably been the majority of my life, but I don't really feel that way anymore. I am able to start seeing my own value and my own purpose. And I don't feel bored at all. I don't feel sad at all. I don't feel empty at all anymore. And it's kind of weird for me to say that. Um, but I don't. And I think 12-step has a lot to do with it. Working the steps, reading the prompts, corresponding um, with other people who are suffering is it really, if you do it consistently and if you take the therapy seriously, you can eventually pull yourself out of that. And that's, that's a great thing. Anger management issues. People with BPD have difficulty controlling their anger and become intensely angry. They may express their anger with biting sarcasm, bitterness, or angry tirades. These episodes are often followed by shame and guilt. Now, I've always been sarcastic. So I don't think that for me, it comes from a place of anger, but I could be wrong. Okay. I'm not going to say that my biting sarcasm has not affected me in the workplace. It has. I'm not going to say that it hasn't affected my friendships. It has. And I do often feel shame or guilty afterward because I don't, I don't want to make people feel bad. I just don't know how to communicate or set boundaries or separate myself from the situation in all moments. So biting sarcasm is the easiest, quickest response that I could use to say, okay, I need you to stop. I need you to stop talking. I need you to stop doing whatever you're doing. I need you to stop irritating me. I need you to stop. Or like I said, being able to just completely remove myself from the situation. When you're in the workplace, I'm sorry, you can't always do that. You can't just go home and take a sick day because your boss was an asshole to you. Sometimes you got to follow through, okay? Biting sarcasm is not a healthy, um, it's not a healthy form of uh, response, but, you know, as I grow and as I learn and as I become able to better self-soothe, that biting sarcasm will decrease and become less and less frequent, okay? Uh, temporary paranoid thoughts. Ooh, shit. Disassociative episodes, paranoid thoughts, and sometimes hallucinations may be uh, triggered by extreme stress, usually fear of abandonment. These symptoms are temporary and usually not severe enough to be considered a separate disorder. Okay. 
Not everyone with borderline personality experiences all of these symptoms. The severity, frequency, and duration of the symptoms are unique to each person. Now, real quickly, before I uh, get accused of plagiarism, this all of this information I am reading is coming from the Cle Cleveland Clinic, okay? Uh, the last thing that I wanted to read here is the causes of borderline personality disorder. Healthcare providers believe P BPD results from a combination of factors, including childhood abuse and trauma. Up to 70% of people with BPD have experienced sexual, emotional, or physical abuse as a child. Maternal separation, poor maternal attachment, inappropriate family boundaries, and parental substance use disorder are also associated with BPD. Genetic, genetics, studies show that borderline personality disorder runs in families. If you have a history of BPD, more, you're more likely but not guaranteed to develop the condition. I'm sorry, if you have a family history of BPD, you're more likely but not guaranteed to develop the condition. Now, I'm not a doctor, I haven't studied any brain science, but Personally, just like addiction, I don't think it's really a genetic disease. I don't think it's something you're born with. I think your environment um, and your uh, childhood are going to have almost everything to do with this. I think if somebody has a family history of BPD and then they are put into very healthy family and relationship environments, the chance of them developing BPD is going to be almost non-existent. That's my opinion. Not everyone has it, but you know, this is what the, the doctors say. Lastly, brain changes. People with BPD, the parts of their brain that control emotion and behavior don't communicate properly. These problems affect the way their brain works. Now, when you go to therapy, and you go to your first cognitive behavioral therapy session, you will learn about your brain and your different parts of your brain, the different functions of the brain, and you will also learn about your amygdala, okay? Your amygdala is responsible for sensing danger. I have a very active amygdala. I've always had a very active amygdala, but, I will say that through therapy and through 12 step and definitely through um, not smoking marijuana and being on that constant anxiety roller coaster, my uh, sense of fear has been dramatically reduced in the past couple of years, okay? Now that doesn't mean that I'm not hypervigilant. That doesn't mean that I'm not observant. I am still those things. But as far as uh, fear is concerned, um, I do think that my amygdala is not constantly firing off. It only fires off once in a while, which is good. That's where we wanna be. How is borderline personality diagnosed? Personality contends continues to evolve throughout childhood and adolescent development. Because of this, healthcare providers don't typically diagnose someone with borderline personality until after the age of 18. Occasionally, a person younger than 18 might be diagnosed with BPD if the symptoms are significant and last at least a year. 
borderline personality, I'm sorry, personality disorders, including borderline personality disorders, can be difficult to diagnose, as most people with personality disorders lack insight into their disruptive behavior and thought patterns. When they do seek help, help, it's often due to conditions such as anxiety or depression as a result of the problems created by their personality disorders, such as divorce, loss of relationships, is not the disorder itself. Licensed mental health professionals, such as a psychiatrist, psychologist, or clinical social worker, can diagnose borderline personality disorder based on the diagnostic criteria for BPD in the American Psychiatric Association, that is APA, um, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Okay, let me stop there with that screen. Um, this is something I want you guys to be very, very, oh, I needed that. Oops, I was gonna show you something else. And this is why. This is something that I want you guys to be very, 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 very careful of, okay? Misdiagnosis is happening all around, okay? Men get misdiagnosed with BPD all the time. They usually, it usually is going to be misdiagnosed as chronic depression, impulse control, oppositional defiance, or, you know, the, the whatever addictions result out of it will be getting is is going to be what they get treatful treatment for whether that's gambling um anger management alcohol or drugs okay that's men so with women similarly borderline personality also gets misdiagnosed as bipolar disorder which it should i don't know why it does but it does um chronic depression and panic and anxiety, anxiety disorder, okay? This is just my opinion, don't fight me on it. When a woman or a man gets misdiagnosed with anxiety disorder, oftentimes you are immediately put on antidepressants or anti-anxiety or anti-psychotic medications. I'm not gonna name them all. If you've been diagnosed, you know what these medications are okay I personally just as a human being have never been able to trust Western medicine enough to allow myself to simply get on medication and think that that's going to be the end of my problems I think and this is no judgment even though it sounds very judgmental I am very wary of being around people who tell me what laundry list of medications they are but then yet and still they're not actually going to therapy people like that scare me because at any moment the medications might not work might stop working and also at any moment i'm sorry also and and again this is going to sound very judgmental they're not doing their shadow work Okay, taking Lexapro or gabapentin or uh, whatever, whatever the anti-anxiety medications are, that is not going to help you communicate better. That is not going to help you self-soothe. 
that is not going to help you process whatever sexual trauma you might may or may not have that is not going to help you process your fear of abandonment and why you have those feelings that is not going to heal your inner child and that is not going to help you do your shadow work so why do doctors give this to people well the truth is it's because it's the easy way out it's the easy way to manage all of those symptoms without actually having to do your shadow work okay and that's just not something that i respect and i'm very wary of um people who are on medication programs but they don't actively try to better themselves whether it be through therapy or 12 step or getting a mentor or getting a life coach or doing whatever the fuck they got to do to get themselves to the next level in life and to get themselves to a place of being more accountable for their for their choices and really learning how to think through and strategize through those painful emotions okay so that you can meet your goals and or be a better person or a better mom or dad or better partner better spouse better leader better entrepreneur whatever the fuck it is that you're trying to better yourself for better yourself for yourself right i don't trust people who use medications in lieu of doing their shadow work i can't be friends with people like that i can't trust people like that sorry okay if you're on medication i'm sorry i'm not trying to degrade you i just want you to know that your doctor is giving you the easy way out and that if you want true genuine change you have to do the work okay um, so i'm going to bring the screen back up this is something that i saw that i wanted to show you really quickly this is uh no that's not it that's me you know there is this uh <laughs> i don't know who lives above me and they're very quiet most of the time but every night there's like it sounds like they're running from one side of the apartment to the other and i don't know if it's them or if they have a dog but anyway moving on <laughs> if you hear that that booming that tapping that's what that is okay all right so this is it okay and another misdiagnosis for men and for women is the uh adhd or bpd ADHD or BPD okay now I want to bring this up because this is another misdiagnosis and in chapter I'm sorry in season two I'm really going to get into autism neurodivergence and all this other stuff this is something that gets misdiagnosed a lot okay let's look at what ADHD is and let's look at what BPD is and then let's look at how they overflow how they seem similar and why it's easy to misdiagnose ADHD difficulty with organization impulsivity regardless of stress difficulty regulating attention and focus struggles with persistence and motivation hyperactivity distractibility and hyper focused BPD pervasive sense of emptiness impulsivity often self-harm oriented and increases under stress marked by a pervasive pattern of instability in relationships mood and self-image 
Intense relationships, often marked by idealization and devaluing dynamics. Pervasive fear of abandonment. All right, now let's look at perhaps why one can be misdiagnosed for the other. What does ADHD, hyper, I'm sorry, um, hyperactive detention deficit, whatever it's called, and BPD, borderline personality, what do they share in common? Let me make this a little bigger so you can see it. Very important here. What do they share in common? Impulsivity, novelty seeking, interpersonal difficulties, self-esteem is often impacted, emotional regulation difficulties, increased rates of eating disorders and substance abuse, sensitivity to sensory changes, rejection sensitivity, intense mood shifts, genetic overlap and irritability, okay? So, if you have been diagnosed, male or female, with ADD, ADHD, um, I want you to think about whether or not your doctor has diagnosed you correctly, okay? If you have had the ADHD diagnosis, chances are you have been put on medication, and you have possibly been put on medication unnecessarily. I will talk about this in season two. I will talk about... A whole, we're going to get a whole lot more medical in season two. I promise you, promise. So just wait for it. We'll, we'll launch that in uh, February of 2024. But for now, for season one, again, I, I love you. I You guys are my tribe. If you're listening, um, I care for you. And the last thing that I want is for you to be on medications that you don't need to be on. All right. Now, let's move on to the next thing that I wanted to talk about. I briefly wanted to do a review of fight or, I'm sorry, of trauma coping mechanisms and what they look like. And uh, let's see, what episode was it that I talked about the loud mind versus the messy mind? So, yes, yes. Episode number three, if you guys go all the way back up to the top, I talk about the loud mind versus the quiet mind or the messy mind versus the wise mind, okay? So when we talk about loud and messy, it is exactly what it fe feels like. It feels loud. It feels messy. It feels overwhelming emotion, gripping fear. That is loud and messy mind. What is wise mind? Wise mind is confident, emotionally controlled, responding instead of reacting, asking questions, inviting other people to, to share your vulnerability instead of attacking them for not understanding it. The wise mind is more stoic. The wise mind is more hermetical, hermetic, I'm sorry, hermetic. The wise mind is more at peace. The wise mind is confident in being able to handle conflict or criticism. The wise mind does not immediately go into fight, flight, fawn, or freeze. Okay, so 
within a messy mind, okay? A messy mind is this. The coping mechanisms are this. Fighting and anger. What does the what? But in a wise mind, you would be setting boundaries, communicating, and expressing radical candor. Okay, that's wise. That's that's loud. Okay. Messy mind and loud mind in terms of flight, which means leaving. Okay, that is avoidance. And in an unhealed person. That is avoidance. That's another way that we could talk about this. We could talk about loud, messy, unhealed versus wise, quiet, and healed, okay? The wise mind, the healed mind, prioritizes self and gauges progress instead of avoidance, okay? The loud, messy mind, unhealed mind, freezes and goes into a state of dissociation where you just space out, get quiet, don't talk to nobody. Everybody else is having a good time at the party and you're sitting in the corner pouting and mad. That's dissociation. The wise mind, the quiet mind, the healed mind is centered and present. And in those moments, they know how to do self-care or self-assuring, self-assurance, self-soothing. They stand in their personal power and can still stay engaged, even though they might have a little bit of ugly feelings on the inside, right? Okay, next up, we have in the loud and messy mind, we have fawning, which is excessive apologizing, excessive people-pleasing, excessive complimenting, excessive need to keep that person in your presence and you are going to do everything you can to stay in their good graces because you have a fear of abandonment. Now, the wise mind, the quiet mind, the healing version of that is again prioritize yourself set boundaries and speak up and if you're having trouble communicating next season we're going to have some fun and we're going to go through this book called the leadership the leader phrase book where if you have a biting sarcasm such as myself you can learn how to say things in a better way or if you're if the cat's got your tongue and you're one of those people where your throat chakra starts to tighten you are going to learn to how to work how to breathe through that and work through that so that you can give yourself your voice back okay it's exciting stuff okay now generally speaking how to how do we combat these coping mechanisms number 1 improve communication skills Two, control your emotions and maintain objectivity. As borderlines, we think sometimes we know everything. We're sensitive to the room. We're sensitive to the energies. If somebody's voice, if their tone of voice changes with us, we automatically think something's wrong. If we can't please someone else into being in a better mood, if we can't get into their good graces, we flip the fuck out. Well, 
as a, we're growing up now, we're healing now. So it's time to start practicing objectivity. Start understanding that other people's shit is not always your fault. Be objective about it. Three, gauge and celebrate your progress. I think this has been essential for me in my healing journey is to notice as I am moving through the world, the things that I'm doing better, the things that used to affect me this much are now only affecting me this much. The reactions that I used to have that used to be this strong are now only this strong. I am noticing that I'm changing and I'm feeling great about it. And instead of staying in that perpetual pervasive state of shame and self-doubt, I'm actually noticing like, hey, wait a minute, I overcome this and I overcame this and I overcame this and I responded better this. And instead of being sarcastic, I just kept my mouth shut and I wasn't repressing myself, but I was just understanding that their shit is their shit and it has nothing to do with me. That's maturity. That's growing up. Okay. It's a good thing. So celebrate those little milestones, give yourself credit. And once you get those first couple of milestones, it only makes you want to do it even better. It only makes you want to grow even more. It only makes you want to progress even more. Cause you're like, wow, 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago, I would have reacted like this. And now I'm reacting like this. And maybe I'm still not where I want to be, but it gives me hope and motivation to keep going and to keep trying. Okay. Number four, radical candor and self-care. Why is radical candor important? Well, because the messy mind, loud mind and unhealed mind lies to us. So we have to be very honest with ourselves and very honest with others. Right? So radical candor is important and combine that with self-care. You're going to be in a good place because instead of using other people or expecting other people to handle your emotions for you and to cater to you and make you feel better, you now can withdraw into your safe space and make yourself feel better. Right? And hopefully it does not involve sex, drugs, or alcohol. Hopefully you are growing past that as a uh, stimulant or as a depressant. Hopefully you're growing past that. I'm not gonna knock you if you're still using those substances. I can't say that I'm never gonna smoke weed again, but I can say that now that I have it out of my life, I, I have the opportunity to face my feelings and uh, actually deal with my feelings instead of numbing them and it's not a bad place to be. So I had to find a lot of other ways to create self-care that is appropriate for myself, my life, my health, and my body. And I hope that you can do the same thing too. Okay. So the next visual that I have, now that we've explained what the loud mind and quiet mind is, um, I made this graphic. Okay. Let me see. Uh, mirror. How do I do that? Cam. Can I mirror my cam? Hold on. I want you to be able to read the words. Mirror video. Okay. There we go. Okay. I made this little graphic. <laughs> I know it's silly. Okay. It's not much, 
But this is essentially what being a BPD feels like, okay? Now up here at the top of the scale, we have idealization, pedestalization, and rose-colored glasses. At the bottom, we have devaluation, uh, dismissal, which is also avoidance, and BPD rage, okay? Now, when you're being unhealed, loud, and messy, this is what your emotions are doing on a daily basis. This is what your emotions are doing all the time. They're going from the top of the scale to the bottom, okay? It said that in the clinical diagnosis. It said the same thing. This is where we want to be, okay? We want to be healed. We want to have a quiet mind. We want to have a wise mind, okay? And at the top of the scale, again, idealization, pedestalization, rose-colored glasses. At the bottom of the scale, devaluation, dismissal or avoidance, and BPD rage, okay? We want our emotions to come become a little bit more soft. We want those waves, that roller coaster of emotion. Instead of going on like the biggest roller coaster, we want to go like, we want to go on the baby roller coasters, you know, like we want, we want to be on the teacups at Disneyland. We don't want to be on Space Mountain. Okay. We want to be on the teacups, just kind of riding, just kind of riding the emotion, being aware of the emotion, controlling the emotions and it not being such dramatic highs and lows. We don't want the dramatic highs and lows anymore. Okay, we want the softer highs and lows. We want the more manageable highs and lows. We want the less dramatic highs and lows. Okay, all right. So, yeah, that's my little graphics, you know. Um, next up, and we're going to wrap this up with an Atlantis Morissette song. Oh, God, what was I going to talk about? Um, some coping mechanisms when I talk about self-care and when I talk about getting off of that anxiety roller coaster and emotional roller coaster, here's a few things I want you to keep in mind, okay? Some choices that I want you to make as you go on your healing journey. I want you to choose healthy, healthy coping and conflict resolution. I want you to choose the healthy mind, the wise mind, the healing mind and the quiet mind. I want you to think about what that looks like for you. And I want you to start choosing better coping mechanisms. Okay. Again, prioritize mental health and self-care. Schedule it. Make it a part of your lifestyle. Do not put that on the back burner. I don't want you to finish with self-care. I want you to start with self-care. I don't want you to minimize self-care. I want you to integrate your self-care, whatever that looks like for you. I want you to integrate it every day into what, or every week into whatever your schedule is, okay? You are no good to others if you are not good to yourself. And my life is a perfect example of that. I want you to choose to avoid trauma bond patterns, okay? Now this is hard because we've got a lot of anxious attachment styles out there. We've got a lot of narcissists out there. 
We got a lot of people out there who are going to love bomb you and then treat you like shit. And as a codependent, as a borderline, sometimes you just do not see it coming. We are so hungry for love. We are so hungry for validation. Oftentimes we are so hungry to finally to, to feel okay that we are often attracted to people who love bomb us knowing sometimes knowing sometimes not knowing how they're going to treat us later on okay i want you to avoid love bombing because it's only going to follow with the devaluation and the gaslighting and the abuse okay we've all been through this enough times to know how it starts and how it ends so no matter how lonely you are or how good the job looks please do not allow yourself to choose trauma bond patterns with anyone anymore next up um we have got to we have got to choose to embrace both our feminine and masculine okay now i didn't really write this for the males or the females um i wrote this for myself because i am kind of on a fluctuating pattern where um because of my political beliefs and all the red pill shit i got very suckered into overcompensating for my masculinity by being way feminine and generally speaking when we think of feminine softness um there's a certain amount of uh how do i say this you kind of have to become a bimbo right you kind of have to be less observant and less um You, you kind of have to be more gullible to be the type of feminine that men are looking for. And I realized that not everything about my masculine tomboy nature was necessarily a bad thing. And not everything about being a more feminine woman is necessarily a good thing. Okay. So whatever that means for you, I'll, I can only tell you what it means for me. But for whatever that means for you, all I can do is ask you to maintain, to really think about it and figure out what aspects of both feminine and masculine you need to have in order to have not just a life of survival, but a life that is happy and abundant and thriving. Okay. Communication. Okay. I got to choose to communicate. I got to choose to compromise and I got to choose grace. Okay, grace for others and grace for myself. Not too much though, because we as codependents, we give too much grace. That's the problem. We're too people pleasing. We give too much grace. We're too, we idolize other people way too much and get, we got to see things for what they are and we got to see people for who they are. Okay, but there, we've got to maintain a little bit of room for grace. Okay, so make sure that you do that. Next up um we have got to earn people's trust and allow others to earn our trust okay this goes back to kind of the love bombing thing okay 
Oftentimes when someone's love bombing you, it is to get your guard, your defense down so that you trust them quicker than normal. We, we have to know that when we choose not to go through those patterns, we are also choosing to earn other people's respect and trust and they have got to earn ours, okay? We need to stop giving it away so easily. Um, and lastly, and this goes for how you treat yourself and how you treat others, never name call, scream, or give silent treatment, okay? This is part of, this is part of that loud, messy, unhealed mind. We devalue, we dismiss, we avoid, or we fly into that borderline rage, that BPD rage. We have got to stop doing that, okay? If we are dealing with somebody who cannot fucking talk like an adult, then we have to leave, exit the situation, okay? The screaming, the name calling, the silent treatment, that has to stop. It's hurtful for us, it's damaging for us, and it's damaging for the other person. We gotta stop doing that. Um, let's see, what else was I gonna talk about? Uh, let me close this out, let's see. Um, um, I wanted to close this out with two things, but before we get to that, I wanted to go with a song that Alanis has written. Um, it's called, uh, what is it called? So unsexy. so unsexy okay now i wanted to read this song to you read these song lyrics to you because i think this is a really this whole song encapsulates what it feels like to be a borderline okay now we've talked about the clinical aspect we've talked about the behavioral aspect We've talked about the uh, communication styles and uh, mental health aspects of this. But now I want to talk about what the actual feeling it feels like to be a borderline, okay? And this is from 2002, Under Rug Swept. And here are the lyrics. Oh, these little rejections, how they add up quickly. One small sideways look and I feel so ungood. And somewhere along the way, I think I gave you the power to make me feel that way I thought. Only my father could. And oh, these little rejections, how they seem so real to me. One forgotten birthday, I'm all but cooked. And oh, these little abandonments, seem to sting so easily. I'm 13 again. Am I 13 for good? So even Alanis recognizes that these 
that this BPD stuff, this codependency stuff, it really makes us more juvenile than we really are. It keeps us in a state of mental and emotional immaturity. Am I 13 again? Am I 13 for good? A lot of our um, responses come from feeling like we're helpless children, right? I'll let that sit with you. I can feel so unsexy for someone so beautiful, body dysmorphia. I can feel so unloved for someone so fine. I can feel so boring for someone who's so interesting, so ignorant for someone of sound mind. Oh, these little protections, how they fail to serve me. One forgotten phone call and I'm deflated. And oh, these little defenses, how they fail to comfort me. Your hand pulling away and I'm devastated. I can feel so unsexy for someone so beautiful, so unloved for someone so fine. I can feel so boring for someone so interesting, so ignorant for someone of sound mind. This, this is how we view ourselves as borderlines and codependents. This is what we think of ourselves. We know we're sexy. We, we know we know we're beautiful but yet we feel unbeautiful we know we're okay and let yet we feel unloved we know we're interesting and yet we feel boring we know that we are of sound mind and yet we feel like we don't know shit. this is what it feels like this is the feeling of being a borderline when will i stop leaving baby when will i stop deserting baby when will I start staying with myself? Ooh, Atlantis, girl. Telling you, Atlantis, our patron saint of codependency. She knows. She knows what we're feeling. Oh, these little projections. How they keep springing from me. I jump my ship as I take it personally. Oh, these little rejections. How they disappear quickly. The moment I decide to not abandon me. Ooh. Get it, Alanis. I can feel so unsexy for someone so beautiful, so unloved and for someone so fine. I can feel so boring for someone so interesting, so ignorant for someone of sound mind. I can feel so unsexy for someone so beautiful, so unloved for someone so fine. I can feel so boring for someone so interesting and so ignorant for someone of sound mind. <sighs> this is the last thing that I want to share. Um, I have the 12 promises of codependence anonymous and I want you guys to I want you guys to stand on this and I want you to have hope. I want you to understand something that um, the great thing about being codependent or having borderline personality, and I asked my therapist this, is that is it is actually the easiest of all the personality disorders to overcome. 
okay? I know you might feel like maybe, especially if maybe you just found my podcast or you're just trying to explore this yourself for the first time, you're realizing things about yourself for the first time. I want you to understand that if you have a borderline personality, it is the easiest of all personality disorders to cure. It takes work. It takes focus, it takes motivation, it takes consistency, but it can be overcome. And with that, I wanted to share the um, 12 promises of Codependence Anonymous, okay? This is why I keep coming back to the meetings. This is why I never give up because these promises are everything that I need and little by little you start to see these promises come to fruition and i don't know how and i don't know why but i know that it does work okay this is why i say keep working the steps they work if you work them 12 promises of codependence anonymous i can expect a miraculous change in my life by working the program of codependence anonymous as i make an honest effort to work the 12 steps and 12 traditions number one I know a new sense of belonging. The feeling of emptiness and loneliness will disappear. Number two, I am no longer controlled by my fears. I overcome my fears and act with courage, integrity, and dignity. Number three, I know a new freedom. Number four, I release myself from worry, guilt, and regret about the past and present. I am aware enough not to repeat it. Yes. I know a new love and acceptance of myself and others. I feel genuinely lovable, loving, and loved. Number five, I learn to see myself as equal to others. My new and renewed relationships are all with equal partners. Number seven, I am capable of developing and maintaining healthy, loving relationships. The need to control and manipulate others will disappear as I tr learn to trust those who are trustworthy. Again, as I learn to trust those who are trustworthy. And what do you have to do to find out if someone is trustworthy? They have to earn it and you have to earn it in their lives, okay? All right. Let's not be scared to trust. Let's give people chances to trust. But, you know, let's also be... a adults and let's protect ourselves at the same time okay but just not be too too hyper vigilant okay number eight i learned that it is possible to mend to become more loving intimate and supportive i have the choice of communicating with my family in a way which is safe for me and respectful for them okay Nine, I acknowledge that I am a unique and precious creation. 10, I no longer need to rely solely on others to provide my sense of self-worth. Isn't that what Alanis just said? Didn't she just say that? Didn't she just say, oh, these little rejections, how they disappear quickly the moment I decide not to abandon me. Alanis knows what she's talking about. I'm telling you, she understands us. Number 11, I trust the guidance I receive from my higher power and come to believe in my own capabilities. 
Number 12, I gradually experience serenity, strength, and spiritual growth in my daily life. All right. So codependence, that is the episode. Thank you for staying. This is, uh, I don't do the video episodes often. I will do more of them um, in season two because I have a whole bunch of Instagram videos I want to show you. I'm going to be going in on the Red Pill community I'm going to be exposing some people. I'm going to be talking a lot of shit. And I'm going to need some uh, visuals to help. Okay. But uh, please like, share, comment on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. If you are listening on Spotify, please send me a voice note. I love hearing your voices. If you have a question, if you have a comment, if you have constructive criticism, if you think I'm a bitch and you hate me, and I wasted an hour of your time. Fine. Leave me a voice note and let me know that. I want this to be a more integrated and more engaging podcast, which means I want more audience participation. I'm going to be putting up the polls on Spotify. Leave your voice notes on Spotify. I will put you in my podcast. I will put you in my show. Okay. I have no problem doing that. Okay, even if you have a suggestion, a suggestion of a topic you would like me to talk about, leave me a voice note. Let me know if this podcast is helping you. Let me know that you're listening. Let me know if it's had any impact on your life. Let me know if you've shared it with any of your friends and family. Just just talk to me. Let me know anything. I don't care what you say. Just let me know you're listening and 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 speak back, okay? Part of overcoming Borderline personality and overcoming codependence is having a voice. I have a, I have a, I have a big mouth. I have a big, I have a loud mouth. Okay. I had to work as a chef for 18 years. I know how to project. I am a trained public speaker. I took comedy courses. I've done stand up. Okay. I don't have a problem talking, but if you do let my platform be a place where you can speak, where you can share. Okay. You are welcome to do that. I welcome that. Okay. I'm not a fucking narcissist. It's not all about me. It's about all of us. It's about the addict that is still suffering. It's about the codependent that is still suffering. Okay. So keep working the steps. They work if you work them.